this is Ains, host of the Nix's podcast, Ains for the Stars. Today I'm joined by Chris, born of Psychosis. He's the founder member known as Spawn. Would you like to introduce yourself today, Chris? Hi, everyone. I'm Chris, a.k.a. Spawn. I'm uh, the industrial punk metal band from the UK, Spawn of Psychosis. So what's the story behind um, Psychosis, like your name, and how have you come across your own stage name like that as well? So it, so I started the band when I was 16. I'm nearly 39 in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so it started as, a, as like a one-man band project kind of thing. And um, I ended up, I, I don't quite remember how, but it just sort of like one of those moments where you kind of hear sort of some phrases and somehow your mind kind of links two things together. So Spawn and Psychosis ended up being sort of a, a name that kind of represented how I sort of felt about myself and aspects of my life up to that point when I was 16 years old. And, um, and it just, it just sort of fit for what kind of, uh, I had in mind, which was musically kind of trying different things. As long as it sounded good, it was good kind of thing. I'm not being too sort of like, it has to be a certain kind of way. Um, and that kind of sort of, filtered into everything from then really and then being the founding member spawn seemed to be the right name to kind of take and then over the years um when i did have other members everyone kind of picked their own stage name that reflected sort of something about them and that's kind of just how it went really that's it a lot of people like to have that stage name it gives you that alter ego space as well doesn't Mm -hmm. it it's it's always good for that and so how was music first introduced to yourself? You touched on you started this at 16. What, you know, made you have the fire to want to do that? Um, I always, want, I remember as a child always wanting to kind of play guitar, but never, never being in a situation where it was something that I picked up. I, I was, um, I've always been creative. So I, I was at that point just kind of more visual, creative, you know, like traditional art and stuff. And growing up, I had grown up around sort of rock music and sort of punk and, you know, Black Sabbath and things like that. But didn't really, you know, I was, I was quite a young child. So I didn't quite get the whole sort of scope of it. Yeah. And then when I was about 13, 14, um, randomly, I think, we, you know, I discovered MTV2 and like Kerrang! and scuzz over here in the uk and that and um and i was like this is this is the kind of stuff i remember as a kid and then i kind of then it was just you know down the rabbit hole and uh and then i you know found bands you know all the bands everyone knows you know metallica slayer i mean i'm a massive metallica fan um and then at the same sort of time as that um for some reason my dad said to me oh i know someone that might be a they've got a a child who has a guitar and they might be getting rid of it or, or something. And that sort of sparked my interest in actually trying to pick up the guitar. And then I said, yeah, I want to do that. And, you know, then sort of, you know, you get the starter sets and stuff. And I, and I did it for a little bit and I just kind of lost interest. And I sort of let it go to the wayside. And then by the time I was about, yeah, 15, 16, I, I then got really into, into music for myself and really into bands. And that's when I decided, um, that I'd pick it up again, and uh, yeah, and, and just and just see what happened with it. 
I'd say, like, you've just touched on, like, an ECG 39. I'm 38 myself, like you, before your birthday, obviously. <laughs> it's like, we were very fortunate. We went through a, a really good wave of bands here in the UK where, yeah. it, obviously, we had the US as well. But with Kerrang, like you say, that, that brought us that US feel. But I really enjoyed what the UK brought us. And we had a little bit heavy in there. And then some lighter indie bands came through and... It, yeah, we were very fortunate to be on that wave, I think, and I've, I've seen a lot of people of our age still feel really inspired from all of our years of experience we've had getting under our belts. So it's nice to see more people uh, looking back in my aspect and still bringing some of that back in because that's what I like to listen to and we don't hear it a lot. It gets very generic. So it's, it's nice to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, we were sort of... As I say, I, I as a child, I grew up around, you know, what would now be the really old bands. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, things like that. But then, obviously, when I when I was getting really into the music for myself, obviously, um, there was still the sort of the heavy metal of '90s. So it was like Metallica, Black Album, and things like that. But um, then obviously new metal was coming in. And I know like now it's that's perceived as like, you know, the awkward um, sort of like cousin of heavy metal that we don't, is like a guilty pleasure. But in some ways that was very you know, in road for me at the time because those bands still very much were inspired. You know, they'd always say, oh yeah, I grew up with Metallica. And so it was like, are they listening to what I'm listening to? And it's kind of, so we had that sort of moment. I mean, as, as I've, got older and, and got into other bands. A lot of the new metal bands, I, you know, I've sort of lost touch with them. Like I used to be a big Corn fan as a kid and then kind of, yeah. sort of lost touch, <laughs> you know, but, um, but it's still there. It's, it's still part of the, yeah, the, the story and the influences and stuff. So. You still see Corn and you see it through everybody. There's someone's got to pick up a little bit there and yeah. you're seeing like the likes of Funeral for a Friend come through not long with them. And they were trying a little bit of heaviness themselves, and it was quite good to see. So they, I think everybody started rolling on and made sure they caught that, that harshness. It was, it was really cool, that. Um, so how did you le learn to sing and write and make music? Uh, well, in terms of singing, a lot of people say, I, I can't. <laughs> but, like, that's fine. Um, so <laughs> as with most things that I, in, like, kind of when I'm, making things and being creative I kind of just sort of throw myself into it a little bit so like I said I picked up the guitar again when I was about 16 and I went down with the kind of because obviously I was also like a big Nirvana fan and you know, yeah. as well so I went down the route of well as long as it sounds good to me you don't have to know music theory just pick it up you know the punk rock kind of thing so so I did that I just threw myself in it had a few guitar lessons Spent many years not bothering with music theory and scales and stuff. And in terms of, as I say, originally, Spawn Psychosis started as just a way for me to record some tracks and try and find a band to join. Well, that was the original idea. And I found that I was sort of, I was so doing my own thing that um, it was kind of hard to find a band to join. So instead, I um, went well. I'll just I'll just make it my own project then, and just combine my 
other creative skills. So doing the music was a way to, to do, you know, album art and posters and stuff. And, and I was, um, during my time in art college as well, when I was like 17, 18, like I was always trying to tie in what I was doing there with kind of my music and, um, and that. And then but when it came to, you know, okay, we're going to make this a project and hopefully turn it into a band. Because obviously I was the one writing the songs and lyrics. I was like, well, I'll, I'll sing the songs then. And just <laughs> threw myself into that. Um, took no singing lessons. Um, you know, various opinions on my, my vocals back then. In the end, though, like so many um, even big known bands and their vocalists, because I didn't know what I was doing. I, I, blew, I got laryngitis when I think it was like, oh, I don't know. We, we, well, the band, the band had formed as a live, a live band by then. So I had a guitarist and a bassist. Our drums have always been programmed because just no drummer ever kind of said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get involved. And we'd done our first album, which was in 2010, and that was Children of Pandora. And um, I blew my voice out. I said, I got laryngitis. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? And, you know, the doctor was like, you've got laryngitis. And that's when I realised, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I need to, like, know... Like, it wasn't so much about if I sounded the best singer, but it was like, I don't want to be doing myself any damage, you know, because like I said, like, James Hetfield blew his voice out and had to start again. And I think uh, Matt Heafy did a thing. In, uh, yeah, I think he did. Anyway, so, yeah, I, um, yeah, so I then, luckily, eventually I knew a friend who was actually a vocal teacher, so she kind of helped me out a little bit, and then I have done some sort of singing lessons here and there. But, um... Yeah, with everything, I just kind of went, eh, I'll just, just throw myself in it, see what happens. As long as I'm putting out what I want to put out, then that was all that kind of sort of mattered, really. Well, I think you've got a great voice, and I enjoyed everything I've heard. Oh, um, but like you were saying, you know, protection of your voice is is key. And as you've just said, getting somebody in to help you with lessons. It, they don't just teach you all the oohs and your, your ahs. They're teaching you how to protect yourself and look after yourself. Because in the long run, like you say, if you break what you've got, that's that's your instrument. So you've got to take good care of it. Um, but you learn as you go along and you pick up different notes and things. But I think it's each to their own. Everybody has their own sound. Um, I, I don't think people can say, oh, well, he can't sing, she can't sing. You don't know if that's exactly what that person wants to hear. And I've had lots of people say to me, oh, you can't sing or they can't sing or whomever. But if you listen and you listen to ways people are trying to get their emotion out, it doesn't always have to be on key to, to feel the same emotion as that person in the song. So it's right, yeah, take the lessons, but just remember, where are you going with it? What's your head voice? What what did you actually want from that? Yeah. Because yeah. there's so many generics now, you, you don't even want to fall in that either, do you? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, I mean, rock and roll is not meant to be perfect. Like, I know there's also lots and lots of bands that are incredibly, you know, especially in heavy metal, incredibly technical. And there's definitely a time and a place for that. And there's definitely bands that I've listened to who are very, you know, especially guitar playing, very technical, all the scales, all the music theory, all, all that. But sometimes I do think that when it gets too perfect, you're kind of sort of losing sort of the, the emotions. Like uh, it could be the best piece of music ever written and all very technical. But if it, for me, if it's not 
telling me a story. You know, you're trying to tell me something, and I can't understand. I, I can't relate to that aspect. Then all the technicality is kind of wasted because that, that's kind of how I, I see it anyway. Right? So there's, there's time and places, I think, for every sort of aspect. That's it. Like in the eighties, there's certain guitar moments that you listen to, and if you didn't have that person just make that screech or that obscure sound you weren't expecting, no one thought of, it wouldn't have made the song. So mm. there's plenty of times where opportunists have made something good for people that they didn't mm. even realise. So holding back isn't always the best. <laughs> Go for it. So how would you describe your music with? your latest and how you started as well? Um, how to describe the music? Um, I mean, like, as I say, the, 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 the easiest sort of blanket term that we always used ended up being industrial metal slash punk um, because that seemed to be the easiest way to sort of describe it. I mean, the, the industrial aspect originally was just simply because um like i said we used program drums and still do and um and it was just a way to kind of give people a little bit of a heads up to that fact because um it was that again was another sort of bone of contention for some people um but i mean spawn of psychosis is always really the main mantra of it has always been we play what we play um you know we we if we like it and and then, you know, obviously we like the idea and we develop it and obviously, you know, things change and that. And in the end, it's, it's a finished thing and we're, we're happy with it. That was our, that, that, that was, that was the goal, you know, um, we were just as likely really to write an, uh, like an acoustic thing as we are to write some sort of really sort of heavy industrial KMFDM sort of thing and then there'd be these like you know a track that's very punk very quick very fast only a couple of minutes long done and then it was we were always that was and that kind of tied into again sort of the name of the band you know spawn of psychosis it's like it could literally be anything at any moment <laughs> so yeah that's as i say industrial punk metal i mean um someone that used to be very close to the band once said um when describing our band they said if the sex pistols happen now that's how they kind of describe what, what, what we were doing. And, um, you know, my, my stage persona was a big spiky hair, like, you know, um, Johnny Rotten and all that. And being a redhead as well, that kind of helped. Um, so, so yeah, it's, yeah, industrial punk metal, but kind of take it how you want to take it, really, in some ways. That's it. It's like with punk, it could go back where you want to take it or you can come up as far as, I don't know, hitting bowling for soup or, mm. you know, getting into the latest. Now, a lot of people are trying to pull that in. But I find, like, the, it's a lighter type of music. You can relate, you can sing along. And yeah. with that industrial added on, you can have a bit of a harder sing there while you, you, you know, you're as a fan. So it's always good to have that aspect, to have dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what we... Um, I mean... A very long story, very short. Basically, we kind of... The local kind of music scene for us didn't really get what we were were doing, and there was a few things going on there. So we... But I, I always... I didn't want to just 
do what every other local band did and play the same places and do the same things. And I was like, we're not a pub band. We're not. So we actively sought other routes and we ended up, we were fortunate enough to, to network with an, um, a production company that I think now they're more based up in Glasgow, um, Flag Promotions. And through that, we were able to pay support slots for, for Dope Stars Inc., um, KMFDM, we actually supported them once. Um, so we were then kind of really dumped in with like the industrial side of things. And admittedly, I hadn't really, as much as I was kind of doing that sort of music, I hadn't really listened to a, a lot. So um, we then start playing these gigs and it's like, they get it. They get what we're, we're kind of doing because they're doing it as well. And a lot of the whole like having programmed drums and all that wasn't, didn't phase anybody. And um, I actually saw more of a kind of punk rock attitude and kind of metal attitude is what I thought that should mean in bands that, you know, they weren't metal. You know, that's not how they saw themselves. You know, it could be just like uh, of one guy um, just doing kind of very extreme vocals and everything's kind of synth-based off of a, a laptop. But the the attitude and that kind of feeling, you know, the resonation of it was like, this is very punk. This is very DIY. And it's kind of really metal as well because it is just like, I'm doing my thing. You don't get it. That's your problem. So, yeah, it was kind of a – we kind of found our home within that sort of little bubble. That's it. And you've got room there to manoeuvre and – have a little travel through your music as well. Mm. I like that. Um, so who has been your inspiration? I know you've touched on a few people already. Um, who's your favourite musician or band? Who do you admire? Uh, well, I, Metallica. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually one of those few fans, it seems, that actually likes, for various reasons and relates to things differently each time, but likes everything they kind of put out generally, like their main stuff. You know, and every time they do something, you know, there's always there's always the whole who horror about it because it's like, you know, they're too big now or whatever. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Metallica's up there. Um, as I say, back in the day, Corn, Papa Roach, um, you know, Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, um, Motley Crue. Um, you know, kind of very atypical in a way. Um, uh, you know, old school bands. That I think everybody at some, you know got into you know, meatloaf meatloaf would have been the, the probably the biggest influence but i didn't realize it at the time because i was so young but looking back on it that was kind of the first sort of like well this guy's not like you know a atypical pop star and it's it's rock and roll and, it, and it's different and it's a story and there's theatrics and you know so yeah to be honest sex pistols i mean the list is probably really long <laughs> like, so you know there's if I went through everything in my CD collection, we'd be here for hours. So, you know. That's it. And like you were saying about Meatloaf, I think a lot of people took on Meatloaf. I know he was always in the US, but over here in the UK, wherever you went, wherever there was an event, you were listening to Meatloaf. And like you say, you didn't realise it because it was everywhere. And to pick up, like you say, those theatricals, he always has a story. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, and then you get to see his videos, which then master throughout the song. Is, it makes it incredible oh, exactly, to watch. Yeah. Um, so 
What is the full background of Spawn of Psycho? She said it started when you were 16 and then you've carried on. Do you have any breaks or did you add people in, did you say? And Yes, so, I mean, I can't remember what year it was when I was 16, but basically it started at <laughs> 16. And it was, again, like I said at the start, it was just, I'll, I'll demo some songs and then show it to other people and maybe we'll form a band. And then when, that, when I was kind of getting frustrated with that, I decided to just do it as my own thing. Um, and, and the, I mean, and I was, I was basically making my own, like, tapes. <laughs> I was actually going full old school. I had a little um, four-track Tascam recorder to start with, making just tapes. And then I'm, I'm, you know, drawing all the artwork on, like, a template I've made of, like, you know, a tape cassette, bold artwork thing and I'm doing that and then I'm like giving it to people what do you think what do you think kind of thing um and eventually um I get the opportunity to well basically I, I read a book that was um about like the music industry at that point and at that point in time um and again I think I was about 18 by this point so it's been a couple of years and I'm now at art college and I'm like, well, you know, uh, and I was studying, eventually I studied film, uh, video media arts eventually. So I was like, well, this is great. I make music. I can then make videos for the music. And that's like a portfolio thing. And within that time, uh, I got the opportunity to, to network with a local producer and um, get ideas, you know, understand more about like, the, the 360 business model, it was called back then, where, you know, a band has their own label and they control everything. And then, you know, if you get big opportunities, you can negotiate better deals and all this sort of stuff. So I, I really gravitated into that and set up my own record label, which I still have, which still everything's released on. Um, recorded a, an EP, I guess you'd call it that. It was like a couple of tracks on the CD. And that was sort of my first kind of, proper release i guess and then like send it to magazines and stuff from that um my mate adam topley who is still my like one of my closest friends he joins the band and uh, takes on the stage name drag and uh and then we have another guy who joined in called pete and he uh became feral and it was us free and that's probably about yeah 2010 you know we get that out there we, we do some local gigs rock the boat <laughs> shall we say, in the local scene. Um, and then by then to about two years later, um, Pete had left. Uh, another Chris joined. He took on the stage name Razor. And then by 2012, we had our second album, which was Freak Show Pandemic, which we recorded in, uh, in a week down in Kettering, studio, uh, Parlour Studios even, down in Kettering quite a well-known studio. Um, by that time, we're now doing these gigs in London. Um, so that's kind of, you know, we did that for a couple of years. We were writing new stuff, but we were very kind of like, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. Um, we did a charity CD called Mind Over Mania to raise money for Mind. So we did that in that time. And then by 2014 or 2013, 2014, um, Rob joined um he now became the bassist so i was i was vocals live obviously i was writing you know guitar parts for songs but i was vocals um 
Dragon's guitar, Razor started as bass, then went on to lead guitar and synth playing, as and when required. Uh, Chaos, Rob, he was a uh, bass, and that was us for kind of, I guess, the sort of, in some ways, like some of our, our bigger gigs uh, down in London. And we recorded our third album as that lineup, Ministry of, Trans- of Transition. That came out in 2015. Um, that was really good. That was like a very kind of well-received thing and sort of, you know, with hitting milestones. Um, 2016, I suffered a bereavement. That changed a lot of things. Uh, I moved uh, down to the coast. Um, and then various things happened. And unfortunately, like, the guys left the band and other life stuff kind of happened over the next seven years. And then... Um, basically last year I got, I got back into, you know what, I need to release music. I kind of, I, I, I kind of had to do it, you know, I kind of got to that point. I was like, right. And, um, I wrote a whole bunch of songs and, uh, and it ended up being that there'd be an EP then an album. Um, and then what happened was the album tracks, <laughs> I decided to all write on my seven-string guitar, the only seven-string guitar I had, and then the pickups died in it, so I need to get that still fixed to get back onto that whole album. Um, but the songs that were going to be uh, an EP, they are basically the songs that I've released um, periodically over last year and this year. Um, and eventually they will, put, you know, I, I'm, I still like physical you know, CDs and tapes and stuff, so I'm still very much like... For me, it's not done till it's on that because for me as well, it's all about the artwork and, you know, and why an artist chooses these songs and puts them in, you know, this order and, and links to the artwork. That's all, for me, that's all part of the, the thing. Um, it's not just about, you know, the songs. I get it in this day and age, it is all about, you know, Spotify and you've got to keep chucking your songs up and, and staying in, you know, stay relevant, staying in like the eye of, of people. Um, but yes, yeah, I'm still all about that physical thing at the end of the day. That's it. I still use CDs myself. I still put them on a CD player. It's like, it's just the way we were brought up, isn't it? And like, if you, that's your expectancy at the end of your song is to see it there like that. But like you say, you started artwork at 16. So you're always going to expect that outcome. Yeah, I just can't. It's it's not done. If it's to me, it's like it's not really done until all the other bits are like connected to it. So you had a really long journey, but you can see that you at sixteen going on, you just yeah, your spark was already going there. That's a long time to have enjoyed music, and then like you say, you've had that break. But there's always something in you that will always want to come back and get out your emotion in that way as well or your feelings or have that break away in a different way so you can express I always find that for myself yeah it's, it's funny I think so uh, 20, 2017 I think it was 2017 2018 we did before kind of the rest of the, the guys left so we sort of left in yeah. sort of stages we did do well, the idea was it was two EPs was the idea. Um, in the end, we only released the one, which is Anno Diablo Volume 1, because the idea was the first one was about things that had hap- worked, happened, like my bereavement, etc. And then 
second one was kind of like the we've come through that stronger is the thing but that that never happened but um during so after doing that and then the guys leave and stuff it's funny i i was feeling a bit like do you know can i still do this you know after so long with other people and you know collaborations of having other members in the band in the band and stuff and funny enough, I, I caught an interview with Hugh Jackman when because he, he'd finished, he'd done Logan, he was done being Wolverine and all that stuff. And he said that, I can't remember who it was that said it to him, but basically someone said to him, always leave when there's something left in the tank. He was like, don't, don't, don't give it all and then have nothing. Kind of leave, leave before the tank runs dry because then, you know, you've got something still left to kind of, and I do, and that really struck with me. And then eventually, I guess that kind of yeah came for me came round sort of full circle. And I was at that moment of I've got ideas, I've got things I want to, you know, and picking up the guitar again and going well, that's a cool riff. And then kind of just developing and letting sort of inspiration come from various things and that. So, so yeah, I think it's very true. Then yeah, ne- never, never, you know, give it all up in one go. Yes, so that's it. Um, was you influenced at the beginning there just on your own back, like you say, through the bands you were enjoying, or did you have any family members who were musical themselves? No, <laughs> no, no, um, no family member. Well, I say that, um, over the years I, I discovered that my uh, my grandmother <laughs> was, <laughs> um, uh, when, when obviously when I was a child and she was still alive, she was. She was already quite an elderly woman, and uh, she never really spoke about it herself. And it wasn't until many, many years later I discovered that she uh, she had um, joined like a um, like a cabaret sort of thing as a, as a young girl. I mean, we're talking like nine, what nineteen, nineteen ten, twenty, something like that. Um, and she ended up touring all of Europe. And ended up being a, a dancer at Moulin Rouge for for a time when she was sort wow. of and never she never ever spoke of it, never knew any of this, and then ends up, uh, you know, before World War Two all kicks off, she comes back to England and you know marries my grandfather, who was a farmer, <laughs> so it was a complete. So I then learned that there was this kind of creative thing in, in my mother's side of the family. Um, but yeah, no, no one was, um, you know, a musician. Um, but then I also, a fair few years ago, discovered that uh, I, I think we're something like third or fourth cousins. I don't know. I don't exactly know what the family connection is. But um, you know, a guy called um, Max Splodge, who's a kind of punk guy known, known in the scene quite well, I believe. He, uh, he's some. He's there's some sort of connection. Um, through sort of marriages and stuff to my kind of family so that was kind of interesting to find out but um but yeah it was like it was more being around music than you know as in listening to music and and then like i say finding like you know the videos and stuff and being inspired by the whole the whole thing of it really it's really amazing about your grandma though that's oh, like yeah, a really like, tough thing to crack. She must have had like a really good voice. She, yeah, I mean, it was. I think the first one I found out about it's uh, one of the things my aunt had uh, just got photos. I mean, my grandma was still alive at this point, and just got photos and put them in a frame of, of my grandmother when she was a young young woman, and they're all kind of like cabaret sort of 
Yeah, I guess you. I guess you've kind of a modern equivalent would be sort of almost like press pack kind of photos. I guess is a modern kind of. Uh, it was hard work keeping that up and looking yeah. a certain way as well. It was very it was very hard. Like, What's all this then? And my grandma was like, "Oh, you know, that's me as a young girl. Like, you know, she's like I don't know, fourteen in this picture or something." You know? So it's a long, long time ago. That's a long time ago. And uh, and yeah, and I find she yeah, she. <laughs> Moulin Rouge, therefore she like lived in Paris for a bit and you know, all these things. Um, so yeah, so there is a creative streak in there. Um, I'm not as much of the black sheep as I thought I was. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. You're not the only one now. <laughs> um, how do you describe your creative process? Where do you get your ideas from? How do you get going on your writings and things like that? Generally, it's one of two things really it's either um it's either you know stuff personal to me something i'm going through something that's happened to me um you know or something that people close to me have it have experienced or generally the other thing is something i've seen about sort of the wider world you know, things that are going on, you know, social commentary, you know, that, that kind of thing. So that's normally where it comes from lyrically. Musically, it's, it is really just sitting there with the guitar, just, you know, noodling about. Maybe I've, sometimes I already have, you know, I've, I've got my idea for the lyrics, so I'm like, I kind of know what the song wants to be about when I'm sort of jamming on the guitar. And sometimes that infers what happens because if it's a, if it's a particular idea that I think really you know would really work with like a punky riff and I start just doodling and come up with a punky riff I'm like ah oh, okay and sometimes I have when I'm coming up with things on the guitar if I've already got like I said like that sort of that slight starting idea sometimes depending on what I'm doing musically it kind of in my imagination starts kind of thinking about like you know I haven't even got the lyrics yet I've just got like the like, the concept but my mind will be like wow, if you did a music video, you could, like, this thing would be really cool. So I just sort of, it sort of melds all these different things kind of go on at the same time. And then hopefully, eventually, it comes out with a, with a cohesive sort of idea and, and a structure that, you know, helps with the, you know, tell the story I'm trying to tell. Okay, so we're going to take a listen now to one of your songs recently released called Cathy. Um, like you were just mentioning there about your work on videos and getting it right with your music. I, I love the video to that. I suggest that is totally something everyone has to watch once they've heard it or hear because, yeah, it explains quite a lot in there. And I'm not going to go on too much, otherwise I'll spoil it, won't I? <laughs> OK, let's take a listen to Cathy.
Okay, we've just heard Kathy. Um, what can you tell us about this brilliant single we've all just heard? Ah, thank you. Um, well, so Kathy. Um, well, the song, everything about Kathy is inspired from uh, a documentary that I believe is still on Netflix. Um, and I would highly recommend everyone checks it out if it still is on Netflix called The Keepers. Um, so like a lot of people during lockdown, um, Netflix, you know, just watching Netflix because what else can you do? Um, and stumbled across this documentary, The Keepers, and watched, I think it's an eight-part uh, documentary series. Watched the whole, binge the whole thing over like a, a two nights, I think. And uh, the documentary is about, um, or well, it starts explaining that um, the murder of a young nun in uh, Baltimore in, she went missing in 1969 and was, her body was found in 1970 um, in the area and her name was Kathy Sisnick and uh, her murder is still uh, unsolved. But then the documentary as it delves deeper into that discovers that um, basically the school she worked at um, called Keo, um, there was a whole thing going on there with abuse and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of implied that the two things were connected, that she was um, possibly going to basically, you know, reveal all that to the world. And, um, yeah, it just, it just really, it really struck a chord with me. Um, I think the thing that got me the most was that this poor woman's murder was unsolved but it was just the tip of an iceberg. Um, and it just, it just really inspired me to want to write about, you know, write a song about that. But I also wanted to be, obviously, you know, I recognise, you know, a musician that's into punk and metal doing a song about that subject matter could come across being disrespectful to, to, to what actually happened because, you know, it's a... Catholic school and religion, all that stuff. Um, so I tried really hard not to write a song like that. So I tried to be, I tried to basically just tell the story. Um, and the main thing that was always in my mind when writing it was, it's not because she was, you know, I, I removed that. I tried to remove the whole thing of the kind of the religious aspect and her and, her as a nun because she was also a young woman who who was brutally murdered and no one has been brought to kind of justice for it so that was my my big thing of writing something that was about that um and obviously yet lyrically um the the aspects of the story are referenced um and yeah and and i mean um as you say, you've seen the video that I, I, I try to also really need to watch the documentary because it explains everything far better than I ever could. And there is a active, you know, um, Facebook group that's trying to actively, you know, find justice for, for her and the other um, survivors in, involved in the bigger kind of story. So it's, it's a very active thing. Um, I, I've only I've only had positive things from general people about the song. I had one negative response, but they felt I it wasn't being respectful. But you know, I was I was, I was trying. It would been very easy for me just to write a song 
that's just trying to make what's the word trying to be um you know trying to trying to what's the word I'm trying to say here um you know try, try and pick a controversial topic just to get a reaction and that's yeah. that's kind of not what I was trying to do that's not what I wanted to do I wanted to tell this this poor woman's story um in my kind of way my abilities to so um so yeah definitely um if it's still on netflix the keepers um it's a very it's a very heavy documentary <laughs> um you know stuff that's discussed and the revelations in it but it's definitely something people need to kind of watch and know about i haven't seen it myself so it's definitely something i'm gonna have to watch now because when you watch the video you want to connect the dots straight away mm. and figure out what it's about but um, it's it's good that people are still, you know, keeping that alive and still trying to get justice for her. There must be something somewhere. There's always a clue, isn't there, somewhere? But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like I say, it's a whole. It really is a tip of an iceberg. Um, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, and as I say, I try to, um, yeah, try I try to do something meaningful and respectful, and uh, yeah. I enjoyed it personally. Very good. Um, so you do, you say like you have time, well, obviously you've had time where you've watched Netflix series and you've had time to draw something from that. How do you balance things like that, having time to sit down and relax and your music, if you have work time, family time, how do you manage to balance everything? Yeah, it can be, uh, it can be a bit of a struggle. Um, you know, the, these days it gets harder, <laughs> you know, as life goes on. Um, I mean, what I've learned for me is that my, um, my creativity and my mental health are very, very closely linked. It's kind of two, two sides of the same coin. Um, so I've learned I kind of need to make something or do, or not even make something, do something creative to kind of keep me sort of ticking. Um, and yeah, I mean, it can, it can be difficult. Um, especially, um, you know, as I say, the, the band's kind of reached a point and it kind of, you know, things changed, people left. So, you know, getting back into that, you know, oh, is, is anyone going to like, you know, care if I do it again? Is there, is there going to be an audience? But then, there's also always there's always that thing that's like yeah but you want to make the thing so just make the thing because if you don't make the thing you just kind of drive yourself crazy. Um, what I tend to try and do now now is because um, sometimes I get a lot of ideas all at once, so I don't ever really do anything with them because it's all going on at the same time. So I literally have to like write a sort of a week plan and be like right on a Monday so we'll do work and then we're going to work look at that thing and then you know Tuesday is you know the, the do something else, you know, chill out, do, do a hobby thing that kind of, you know, resets everything. So yeah, sometimes, yeah, it does, it does take a bit of um, planning these days. I mean, back in the day, you know, it was just like, yeah, you know, do the, do the, the job, you know, plan practice, play gig, party, you know, it was all, it was a little bit easier <laughs> back then. But, um, you know, you, like I say, you kind of, yeah, my creative mind, it always finds a way to kind of creep back in and be like, just make the thing. Just make, get the thing out of your head and, and make the thing and, and see what happens. So, yeah. 
how do you get inspired to make and create? I mean, it just it just happens. I think, like, like again, like with um, going back to the the Kathy and other and other kind of songs I've written about um, other sort of more you know social commentary things. It's just you know I see something, I read something, and I'm like. There might be a line that I'm like, oh, that's kind of a good song title. And then it just, sometimes it just, it just all then kind of rolls all together and it's quite a quick thing. Sometimes it sits there just, you know, waiting for the right riff to kind of go, that would be really good for that idea of that thing I had, like an idea of about six months ago. Um, as I say, right now, it's, it's kind of getting back into, into working and, and taking time to actually... As I say, go right. I've got all these ideas, and I've got this plan. Let's actually get on with it. Then, kind of keep sitting on the fence with it all. Well, while you have plans and things that you're trying to get all set up and scheduled in your mind over the next year, I see probably most people always head for the year. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's always hard to get it. What is your ultimate goal? What are you trying to get to? What's your career goal? I. If, if really honest, I I want to kind of my idea would be just kind of get back where we were, or uh, get the project back where it was in terms of you know being playing you know playing gigs again and and stuff. Um, it it was quite a long road through various things to to get the right people involved the first time round, and it's kind of left me lit. That whole experience has really like left me a bit. You know, in an ideal world, we'd all go back together. You know, everyone, everyone, things have happened. Everyone's lives are different now. Um, so trying to get pe- other people involved in it is a bit of a kind of a, it's a bit sort of like, oh, I don't know about it, like, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, we always we always said that the, the goal with Spawn Psychosis, because we'd get asked this question, like, where do you see yourself in five years' time and that sort of stuff? And we would say, we just want it. We still want to be doing it, and if it's about financially what we're doing with it, it's that you know the project was keeping itself kind of ticking over. You know, we, we make you know we're selling t-shirts or merch or we're doing whatever, and, and it just kind of keeps itself kind of rolling so that we don't have to worry about having to you know dump all personal funds in it to try and try and do something with it. So I mean, right now I um I want to. <laughs> Get yeah, a seven-string guitar fix and actually get this album idea done, which has kind of equally changed a little bit over what it was originally I had in mind. Um, so yeah, I guess kind of yeah, just get back into it and get stuff out really, um, and then see what happens. <laughs> just roll with it like always. That's it. Sometimes if you plan some things too harshly on yourself. It's you feel you have to push yourself a little bit further than maybe what you would have that in that area. Or if you give yourself that time, you could have come up with a little something else. Like I always find, if you listen to something that you've done before, and then you listen back, you're like, if I just done that when I give that oh, more well, time, it's annoying. <laughs> the amount of times I'm like, <laughs> I want to re-record everything we've released, and you know, yeah. say you learn, you learn things. You go, well, oh, you know you know, production values and all, and all that sort of stuff. And we, we always seem to, um, I don't know, we always, seem, we always seem to be a little bit cursed in that we'd release the thing, we were happy with it, we're totally happy with it, and then something would happen. And then there was a matter like, freak show pandemic, we were 
Hampton happy with it. We you know, mastered it in in the studio that we recorded in the recorded in at the Pole Studio, and our um, producer was like, when we all got back home and that, he's like, I've listened back to it. I don't know what's happened, but this is not what we. So there was some. He was like, this is not what we had when we left. So there was a mad kind of trying to make it like reverse engineer and stuff. It was a whole thing. And, you know, in the end we were like, it's good enough. But yeah, I listened back and I'm like, oh, you know, I've changed that. But then I've learned that that's the curse of, um, I don't think I've seen it much with um, visual artists. So people that paint or draw or, you know, that kind of thing. But I think anything that kind of has its, you know, become sort of more physical, like, you know, like film. You know, yeah. like you, you take this idea in your head and it becomes a physical thing. And I think that's the same with music. It becomes sort of a physical thing um, that you kind of look back and go, oh, I should have done that different. Oh, why did we do that? And why do I think that was a good idea? And, um, yeah, there's been there's a lot of that. There always is. Um, even with some of the more recent tracks I've released, I'm a little bit like, oh, maybe I could have, but it's not as bad as it was. I mean... But yeah, there's a lot of them up the back catalogue that I'm like, oh, just should we do like some like remastered, take my favourite songs off of each thing and, and redo them or, or whatever. But yeah, I think that that's kind of the curse of a creative mind, I think. I think you're right there. It's like you could be kicking yourself over something you didn't do, but the person on the other side listening was, that's exactly what they were waiting for you to do. So <laughs> it's, it swings around about, so that's hard to get that balance sometimes. Yeah. I dare say. times I've said to our... Um, to Graham Waller, who's um, he he's worked on about ninety five percent of our of everything we've ever done. I think you know other people worked on other various things because of you know whatever reasons and decisions were made. Um, but the amount of times like you know he's he's mixed the thing and I'm like I love it and then he masters it and I go I love it and then I'm like oh, dude I've just been listening back and like the word I'm saying is this because of how I'm. I'm I pronounce stuff. It sounds like this, and and you know, I don't know, I don't know. And then I'm sitting there looking at the, you know, making the lyric video and being like, it doesn't sound like I say that. And I get really kind of, and he's like, dude, no one's going to notice. And he's like, just change, just it's fine, just no one's going to notice. And that's the thing. And going back to you know, the start of this interview when I said about um, music being too perfect. I mean, how how many songs do we mishear the lyrics to, and we sing it? how we think for decades and then you read the lyrics and you go oh that's not what i've been singing for like two decades <laughs> like so yeah I think I'm off here with it. <laughs> yeah. yes there's been some reason i'm like i know that that's not the lyric and then i actually look at lyrics i'm like oh god <laughs> so yeah it's just one of those things again i think it's all part of that um you got you got to uh, i think it's very true of anybody that makes something creative be it music film uh, visual art, performance, anything. You've got to. There's got to be a point where you've got to let go, because you will overwork something, or you'll never, you'll never actually finish it because you're so obsessed. So that we all have to learn to let go at some point. So to wrap it up, so just for yourself, so you know that you've completed what you wanted to do. It's, yeah. it's like you say, it could be a curse, can't it? Do you find that music helps you in other parts of your life? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely something that, um, as I say, from sort of my teenage years 
straight through to now to the present day is something that kind of helps me um, think about stuff, reflect on things. Is also, you know, like it's an outlet, isn't it? You know, you put your favourite tracks on. It's, it's, you know, it's your fun times, like, you know, with your mates at parties. You know, it's music's a very, I think it's a very underrated, I think now, I think it's, People underrate how important it is for kind of your. It's really accessible, you know. I think with music, and I mean, I know like you know, you get into debates that certain genres are not easily accessible, but the, the kind of the w- what it is fundamentally, I think everyone kind of relates and has a, can have an emotional response to music. Um, I think far more easily than, um, like, say, visual art, because I think. You know, with music, there's always that element of interpretation. You know, the song might be about, I don't know, someone's pet dog. But because of the lyrics they use, someone will listen to that and be like, oh, it reminds them of, you know, their, their spouse or a friend or some event that was quite negative in their life or maybe a really positive event. So um, for me, it's, it, it is important. Um, and in due to various things that's happened to my life over the past few years, um, I noticed how much the absence of it was kind of detrimental to, to me, like the absence of me every day picking up a guitar and coming up with an idea. You know, it was, it was such a drastic change in the end that um, I realised for me it's, it's, a, you know, it's an outlet. Even if, I, even if something I come up with never sees the light of day and it's never a release, it was, you know, it was important for me to get it out and, and make, you know, even just if it's, you know, I say it's just for me, it's never going to, it's never a finished record or a song or whatever. So I think, yeah, music's, well, what they say, they say, you know, soundtrack to your life, isn't it? So it's kind of, yeah, I think it's very important. Yeah. It's like an element of release, isn't it, for a lot of people? And like you say, you can have it there with friends, you can have it at home at a personal time and, just use it in your car if you just want to blast out for a bit. It's there, isn't it? It's exactly. It's uh, yeah. Um, when you go in front of an audience yourself with your music, where does your mind go? What are you thinking of in front of people while you're there going for it? <laughs> I I'm thinking about entertaining people. Um, if they find it entertaining or not, that's that's their uh, that's their side of the bargain. But um, for me. It was always um, get up there, do the show. Um, you know, we had shows where I messed up a lyric or, you know, something, you know, those things, you know, a string break, someone plays the wrong note, some technical thing happens. But I was always, I always say to the guys, don't get stressed with it, let's have a laugh with it. You know, we're human. Like, I'd rather get the lyrics wrong and at the end of a song be like, so did anyone notice how I fucked up there? You know, or whatever. Or And I was always about having a laugh with people and also messing with them a little bit as well. Um, I, I did quite enjoy that because, um, you know, doing something, you know, in my, in my stage persona and having a laugh with people and seeing the crowd be like, is he serious? Is he not? I don't really know what's going on here. That kind of was like my own personal sort of little little thing. And and many gigs, we you know, we, we'd have a laugh with people and stuff and, um, you know, get some unexpected crowd sort of like 
participation or whatever because I'm just I've just like for whatever reason picked out some guy because of something about him he's just stood out to me and I'm like right let's have a laugh with this guy so but it was never it was never me trying to you know upset people or you know I was never like taking the mick out of them or you know it wasn't like that like a comedy show of like I'm roasting the front row kind of thing it was all about having fun um songs that I felt people would relate to if they're more quote-unquote serious songs in, in terms of what they're about I would sometimes mention that and you know say things about that at the start of the song um and yeah just uh I mean I always remember the first ever ever gig we did and uh you know we wouldn't we prepped for it for so long you know this was our debut sort of thing no one locally really knew what to think of us most people didn't like us but whatever didn't really care we turn up all the theatrics we have friends dressed in like hazmat suits because there was this whole nap the band's story if you like the narrative was that we were like um it was like this sci-fi like we were made in a lab and all this kind of stuff there's like, i i drew like comics for it and stuff back in the day it was a whole narrative thing so all that was like the stage show and i'll never forget i was standing you know side of the, of the stage everyone else was on stage we had this like you know, intro playing going on on the backing track and I remember standing and being like oh my god I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do this I'm actually you know gonna I'm and I never like would sing in front of people do you know what I mean I didn't do karaoke none of that I, I, that's what I mean by like I just threw myself in because I was like but I I'm doing my thing so if I get it wrong no one will know because it's my song um and I remember standing at the stage being like oh my god I'm gonna do this and I know and I had a moment of like I don't know if I, like you know I don't know if I can and I remember saying to myself but you've done all the work and I was like just get out there and do it just do it and uh yeah and I went on that stage and um I even surprised my bandmates they were like oh Jesus he's really like going for it and I just went for it and and that was always the way it was from that point you know I just as soon as I'm in character and I'm on that stage that's that's it and then off stage at the merch table talking to people you know, being approachable, being like, thanks for coming. You know, it was always, it was always, yeah. That was always a highlight for me as well. It's nice that you've pushed that element of fun in on the stage because you've not just made it about your audience, you've made it about people with you, whoever you're standing with, you know, who's, people always forget that there's other persons around who are actually helping and they're watching too and they need to have fun as well they're there doing their job as much as you guys are going to be there on the front or yourself it's it's about getting that balance as well between everybody but just having that fun just breaks so many moments where people get panicked or worried about what's coming up but just going for it in that first instance it looks like that's what set you up then to keep that going on and enjoy it yeah and i mean my stage persona kind of <laughs> has become <laughs> much larger than life and more sometimes i think like perhaps he's more of a split personality sometimes but um it just it just it just became it just became what it became and um it was always about having fun and you know like a lot of bands we've had some bad gigs um so many stories of like where we we you know we're totally like in the wrong place like not for us but we still did it we i was like no we're getting up there and we're doing it and so even if they all hate us or whatever and we're getting up but the point is we've turned up and we've done the show 
And I was always like, I'd rather one person gets it and likes it, and that's fine, than, you know, we don't do it. And then everyone just thinks, oh, well, you know, they chickened out or they gave up, you know. It's like, just do it. You know, at the end of the day, we do it. We have we have fun. We play a show. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of what it should be about. And that's it. And you've got all those memories to touch on and still remember, like, like you were just laughing and you were in the maybe the wrong faces that you weren't expecting to be in a place but you got up and like you say you've done it and it just shows other people just keep doing what you're doing because that one person just word of mouth just getting out there it's it's another branch isn't it exactly do you have any um other time to do like hobbies or anything like that to do anything else outside your music yeah um well i'm a big geek and uh <laughs> like clearly um, still a child, um, so I I um I've got back into doing games workshop, Warhammer model building and painting, so, and uh, you know that that's a hobby that anybody that does that will know. You, there's a point we all have a point where we go, well, no, enough, it's too expensive, and I don't get time to play the game, and I'm not doing it anymore. And then you go and find a different thing, but somehow you always get dragged back. Um, and that's basically what happened to me when I moved back to, to where I am now um, and reconnected with, with all my friends and stuff. They were like, oh, we should play this game. I was like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I have to get, like, some miniatures. And then and now I have an army of lizard men. Um, the, and I'm ended up making this whole display board, and it's a thing. So that that's – what I've found, though, is when I get burnt out with, say, music, because obviously music is a – I see music as more than just a hobby, you know. It's it's kind of a, it's a job, but that's how I've always seen it, you know, um, because that's what I I wanted it to be taken seriously, so I need to take it seriously. But um, if I ever got burnt out with that, or when I've done sort of visual art as a, I, for a time I was um, self-employed as I do my my visual art stuff, my paintings and drawing stuff. So when I'm doing a creative thing that's more a job, and I get burnt out with that. I need a, to do something else creative that's not, you know, there's no pressure on it. It's just for me to just chill out. And that's kind of what the whole miniature building painting thing became. And I've noticed that um, I'll do that for a time, painting the things. And while I'm doing that, because the mind's kind of just, you know, free to kind of wander, I'll start having ideas. And then eventually I'm like, no, I now need to, I need to make those ideas now for my music or my whatever it was. So it's kind of like a way to reset. Um, so that, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Anyway, yeah, being uh, dragged back into Games Workshop where they take my money and, uh, <laughs> and I leave with tiny plastic toys that I then build and paint and get really precious over. Um, so, yeah, anyone that does that hobby knows exactly how that feels. So... <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so that's the current thing I do anyway as, as a hobby. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's like everybody needs that little outlet and people don't realise sometimes that's an accomplishment to yourself as well because there's a start, there's a way to have to do it. You don't just slap on the paint. It's got to be painted a certain way. And then there's an end result and an appreciation of what you've done. So those hobbies can become important for the mind. Um myself people who know me know I like to bake it's not something I would ever have put my hand to I'm not great at 
like numbers and things. And if you don't get the balance right, you're not making a good cake. <laughs> so, you know, just taking those time, it's it's putting in time and getting an outcome and it's an, an accomplishment. But again, time spent out of everything. So it may seem geeky, but it's having something for yourself as well, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, which right now entails boxes and boxes of, of lizard men and riding big dinosaurs. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what the hoarding has begun. So, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be many, many more. <laughs> uh, that's the thing there is. I say no, that's the end, but I know. I know. Because they always get you. Get you see something and then it's like, no, I'm going to have to do that now. And then yeah. that branches onto that, so I'll have to do yeah. that. Yeah, I've seen it all with, um, like, they do all the miniature cars and boats and planes. Yeah. It's the same type of thing, isn't it? You've got to collect yeah. all the bits. Um, so what are your plans for the coming months? What's got What's coming up for yourself? So I have one more completely new track that um, is pretty much ready to go. Just need to kind of, you know, look over things, add a bit of polish and, you know, put the, uh, the money in to get it mixed and mastered and all that. Um, and then after that, there is a, a remix of a song that I'm putting out, um, of, uh, of a track I released last year called Proof of Diagnosis. Um, and then hopefully get guitar fixed, get back into the eight or nine songs that are already kind of there. And that'll be the start of what I want to put out as an album, um, which probably, I guess, is most likely going to be next year in terms of, of when that's done. Um, and, yeah, we'll see how big of a project that becomes. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at the moment. Like I said, it's kind of getting back into it. Um, I want to really get back out playing gigs. Um, that is something at the moment that for a lot of bands, especially bands that I know that are still underground acts, even though they, you know, they, you know, they can be very well known underground acts and have a have a really dedicated following. It's um, it's getting hard to to have gigs that were going to happen, um, you know, after the pandemic and that. Um, I've known a couple of bands who like had a whole tour and it's been cancelled because ticket sales and haven't happened, and it's it's tough. It's tough to kind of even get a gig now. I mean, it, it was tough when we were gigging because obviously even then. The, Venues were shutting down. Um, there was, you know, lots of stuff going on, and it is hard. It's got harder. Um, so we'll see how that bit of the project pans out. But, um, but yeah, so uh, probably two, like I say, so in all, two more tracks to come out this year and then work on an album. That's the plan, anyway. It all takes time. That it does. Time and money. Of course, you can't forget that bit. Well, I heard you, you just mentioned proof of diagnosis, and I've been waiting to hear this myself. Um, but I think that I'm really waiting to hear what you wanted to say about it. So we're going to hear it so I can get on and listen to exactly all of the little nitty gritty you're going to tell us about all of the new information we've got on this. So let's hear proof of diagnosis. Here we go.
We've just heard proof of diagnosis. So as you know, I'm really excited to hear more about this track. What can you tell us? Okay, so um, proof of diagnosis. So a uh, bit of kind of background, I guess. So as, as a child, I had epilepsy and, uh, you know, got through that. 
all fine and dandy, been fine and dandy for many, many, many years. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> flip side of that was by the time I was uh, 16, I started having migraines. And uh, I, when I get them, I get them bad. Like, I, I can't see, I get paralysis. Um, it's, it's really bad. And, um, you know, I, I, so I've, I've made my way through life dealing with that. And a few years ago, I was in a job, which obviously they knew I had this condition because I told them in the interview. And basically, I had quite a lot of time off because of it in like a short space of time. And they went to give me a, you know, a written warning, a disciplinary and all that stuff. And through that, I had to, you know, I had to fight my case. I had to like medical records dug out uh, all these things so and it was literally when I said well you know I've, I've told I told you at the interview you know that I had this and I've been working for you now for like two two maybe three years whatever it was at that point and it's when they went yeah but we don't have any proof you know we actually need proof we need proof and it, they literally we need proof of the diagnosis and I was like hmm so I went through all that, and we won't get any more into that, but basically that was the inspiration of the song. So the song is literally about, um, you know, being told, well, we need proof that you have this thing that you've, you've told us you have. And, um, and you know, it was a point where I'm, I was then sort of thinking, like, you know, these things have always been an issue for many years, and I always knew this would come, that, like, it would, you know, they'd complain about it. But, um, you know, I, I had to kind of, you know... Uh, find more information from the, there's the Migraine Trust here in the UK that's like the kind of recognised charity for uh, migraines and headaches and you know found out it's technically a disability and all these things and I, had, you know, I was fighting for my job and, and all this stuff um, and like a lot of things that just inspires inspires a song and the song is very much about that sort of experience and this idea of um, you know Proving your yeah, proving your existence, proving that you you are here because and you, and you do have this thing and and find the stigma to it and stuff. Um, so yeah, um, and, and and the video made for that um, is is kind of sort of representing that in in sort of what's uh, what's going on in the video. Um, so yeah, so that came out. Uh, that was the last song I released in. 2022 and uh you know put it out there and uh, you know people liked it and stuff and i've decided to uh remix rewrite however you want remaster however you want to word it um the song um so i reached out to a, a band a fellow one-man band six scars in the states um jt we actually connected um because i as i mentioned before i i did my visual art as kind of a side job for a little while and uh i tried to i was like you know i want to get back into that but i need something to kind of get the inspiration going so i put out on facebook on i kind of remember what um music related facebook group it was but i put out saying hey i'm an artist this is my my like studio ashes to embers studio um i'll do free art if any band wants like a you know, t-shirt design or an album cover or whatever I'll do like for free 
it was like, and it was before, I think it was just before Christmas, yeah, Christmas uh, 20, yeah, 2021, going into 2022. And JT was one of the people that was like, yeah, I'd like, I, you know, that's cool, man. I got, you know, I'd like some artwork. And I was like, cool. So, like, what do you want to do? And he sent me his track, um, Save Me, remembering that right. Um, and loved the song, loved the, uh, the lyrics and the imagery. So I did him, did him artwork for that that one track. And that was then like the connection. And I was like, hey, I'm in a band too, dude. Like, here's my stuff. And and that kind of thing, back and forth. And we formed a friendship. And, you know, through that friendship, I learned more about JT as a person, things he's gone through. And we had very, very similar backgrounds. So he totally related to, to proof of diagnosis. So when I was thinking like, you know what, I, I think I'm going to do something you know, do some sort of collab thing, but what could I do? That was the song I thought about. He was the first person, obviously, that sprung to mind. So, you know, so he, I send him the track as is, what you've heard, and obviously he's done vocals. And then um, I mentioned before my, my producer, well, he's produced 95% of our stuff, Graham Waller. He, uh, he also has a side music project called Strike Eagle, and that's very 80s synth rock. Um, it's literally like, imagine Top Gun or any other cool 80s film that you call 80s synth music. That's kind of Strike Eagle. Um, and I was like, what would be even cooler? And I was like, well, it won't just be, you know, it's the same song, but, you know, instead of my vocals, it's, you know, JT's every, you know, verse or whatever we do. I was like, why don't we, like, really kind of go to town with this? So, um, so Strike Eagle, Graham Waller, he's going to add musical things and change some things and, and all that. Um, he's still working on it, so I haven't actually heard where he's at with it at this point in time. Um, but once that's all done, um, yeah, that'll, that'll be something that I'll, I'll do. A, normally when I do releases, I have kind of a, set, a schedule, like, you know, the track is released. Two weeks later, there'll be like a lyric video for it. Two weeks later, some sort of narrative video that I've somehow <laughs> cobbled together. Um, so with this one, with this this remix, it'll be more like, when it's done, it'll be out. I've got ideas for a kind of comical video where all of us can get involved. So it'll be kind of a straight out the gate, there it is, rather than kind of like this segmented thing. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what we all kind of add to it, really. I, I wanted it to be very much something where each person has their you know, moment to show, to show them, to show what they do, um, rather than just like, you know, you sing one word or like, you know, it's just, you know, I, 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 everyone needs to show who they are. That's, that's quite important for me. And however, this remix kind of takes shape by the end of it. Sorry to hear what you had gone through to, you know, get that catalyst for that song. A lot of people do go through um, diagnosis and it's not always recognised and, it becomes that disability that's hid and it's blindsided. So for you to have to feel that you had to release that and get that out yourself in the first place was probably quite, like you say, very close in your mind to have to get out. Um, it must have been difficult. But to see you now want to use it in the future and try and refresh it a little bit with somebody who, like you say, has gone through something similar, so... He could feel the same feeling as you, and I think you both make a really good sound on that, the bond between you both, 
you're going to understand the emotion. Um, yeah. I already look forward to sending this out and letting everybody hear that. It'd be very good. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see because as as I say, um, you know, all the parts that make the song you just heard, obviously, all the original stems and that, you know, that 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 will all be in there somewhere still in some form. But um, I am intrigued to see what Strike Eagle Strike Eagle does um with it. So uh, I'm just as intrigued to see what it's going to end up. Because <laughs> I'm I'm sort of like just do you? See? I was like, dude, just I said, you know, you know the you know the background, you got the bits and pieces. Um, but I want, you know, I want it to be that, you know, you can hear Strike Eagle in it and you can hear JT and you can hear Spine Psychosis. It's not, you know, everyone needs to, I want it to show that element of them. And, uh, but I have essentially just let him loose on it. So we will see what, what comes back. So yeah, um, no, no sort of, um, idea when that'll come out yet, but, um, yeah, obviously, uh, as and when, yeah, yeah, send you a, Rest pack for it, so yeah. It all takes time, though, and like you said before, it's it's about getting the merge and the timing right for yourself, and if you're happy with it, and then obviously all the buffing up at the end, which is something I've never had to do. So I'm glad I don't have to. <laughs> it sounds very complicated. It's uh, it's. I mean, I I've ended up um, you know, me and Graham and I now have like a system, like a formula of how you know, um, I probably. I believe I send him the most detailed <laughs> notes of it every time, which he uh, he said, you know, you know, you know, this this is how I want things prepped. Which so you know, it's what he wanted, and I but I literally like he gets like like documents <laughs> with, with each mix because I'm like you know here's what everything's called, here's where it is in the track, this is the thing, this is what I was going for, these are the effects I use, so kind of that's the idea I'm going for, but. He's always like, no, nah, that's great because I know, you know, and like I said, we, well, I've developed kind of a, a sort of template of arrangement of how things are arranged. So obviously he knows that's how it's going to come in that. But, um, but yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's all part of it. It's all part of it. It's good that you and Graham work like that as well and keep going all the time to understand where you're up to. It's always important to keep the communication. <laughs> always. Definitely. Okay, so we're going to be coming to the end of our podcast today. And I always have a question, which is well known for being Melanie, Melanie Nix's question. It's her favourite. So I'm going to give it to you. What advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, so much. Um, so, yeah. There's a lot of serious advice I would probably give now, which is probably too serious for a, a podcast. But um, I guess musically related, I would tell my younger self to learn a bit of music theory at least, because eventually he's going to realise he does need it, <laughs> and he's going to have to like backtrack and learn some things that he should have learned a while ago. Um, and I would just I would tell my younger self, you know what? You you are you are going to rock the boat even when you don't mean to, and some people can be really horrible about it, but don't stop and and just and and don't yeah just keep going, just just it'll you know enjoy it because you know it's it, you know things change and 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 enjoy it while it lasts kind of thing. 
That's it. Many people have said so many different things and it means so much to so many different people. And what it means to you is, I dare say it comes back to most of us on and off in our daily lives or somewhere within our month where you think, would I have done that then? Like that. So, yeah, always reflecting back is always a good way to help yourself jump back on that train and carry on. Um, before we go, would you like to add anything? You know, where can we find you, follow you? Where can we grab your merch? Okay, so uh, merch-wise and digital tracks that uh, aren't on Spotify. So all, all of the – anything we've ever released pretty much uh, is digitally available musically at our band camps. That's www.spawnersocasis.bandcamp.com. We're on Spotify, so obviously search Spawn Psychosis. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and I have a website, www.ashesandpsychosis.com, and that's where basically you'll find sort of stuff about my visual artwork as well as the music because it made more sense to put it in one place than have two websites. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, reach out. I said Facebook. I'm normally very active on that. So, uh, yeah, check us out on Facebook first and Bandcamp. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy what you hear. Hopefully you might wish to purchase some things. That always helps. Uh, and, um, yeah, just thanks for having me on, on the podcast and, uh, you know, help me get the word out. Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you for being with us today. Um, we're going to send you a copy of the interview, obviously, when it's out on all the platforms to yourself. And just thanks so much for joining us. It's been great to catch up and learn your journey, which obviously started so early when you were younger. It's always nice to see how people have come about and where they've got to. It's nice. Okay, so thank you, everybody. Don't forget to catch us on Facebook, Spotify, and Linktree, plus many more. Thank you for joining us today, Spawn of Psychosis, and we'll see you thank soon. You. Take care. Thank you.